Hello and welcome to another episode of Full Send with Christina Kim and Alan Shipnuck. We are back at it again. Christina, I know you were gutted to miss the cut at Carnoustie uh, for the Women's Open, which just concluded. Um, we'll get to your week, but let's let's just have a quick react on Anna Nordqvist winning her her third major championship and a uh, a sort of dogfight down the stretch with a bunch of players. There was a seventy second hole shank. Uh, out of a bunker, there was all kinds of stuff going on. <laughs> Did um, uh, first of all, I have to say, Anna to me is like an imposing physical specimen. She's like taller than I am. I think she's got wider shoulders, and you just look at her, and she's just like, "Damn, this is this is a golfing machine." Of course, she doesn't even hit it that far, really, for her size. But um, I mean, to me, she has one of like the great presences on on the LPGA tour just her physicality and and kind of the way she carries herself what what, what are your thoughts on on uh, the champion golfer of of the year well i i'm a huge fan of anna um you know i've known her god for I don't know, 13, 14 years now i think um she is an incredible women's golfer of the year which is so fucking cool to be able to say and yeah she's got like this amazing combination of uh like she reminds me a lot of Stenson in that she's very very dry with her humor she's Mm -hmm. um you know if you don't know her you might think that she's you know ice cold you know, partially because of, you know, Scandinavian stereotypes, what have you, um, along <laughs> with the fact that, like you said, she's an imposing figure. I mean, she's six, she's at least six one. She is, she is a big girl. Like she's, um, you know, she's, she's been through a lot as well. And one of the things I, I personally really like is, is the fact that she is, it's almost, she's almost painfully private. You know, she truly, <laughs> truly cherishes, the life that she has outside of the golf course and outside of the ropes. And I think that there's, you know, something to be said about that because a lot of people really are, you know, like normal people really do lead very private lives. And so she is um, very normal in that sense, I would think, but she is, she is very funny. She always has time to say hello, has a smile. Like, you know, we talk a lot. She's got an upcoming, I think, I believe it's upcoming wedding. Um, I have no concept of time. I've been in Europe for five (laughs) weeks now. So I think we're still in August. And yeah, I mean, she's just, she's one of those people, like, you know, a lot of people sometimes may forget. One, it's women's golf. So like, you know, that's part of the reason why. But she is one of the most fierce competitors you will ever come across especially by way of watching her performances at the Solheim Cups she she is she's got she's got like a a pit bulls kind of lockjaw when it comes to holding on to something and just refusing to let it go and and I think it's just it's incredible um I'm not gonna lie I uh uh, spent the day with my caddy Todd and we went over to the old course as it is Sunday and we walked around the grounds and we walked the entire golf course. He was just, I mean, spectacular was a word that I heard him use a number of times. Um, he loved the idea of like walking down the fairway and being like Christ alive. I almost stepped into a bunker that I didn't see. 
you know, um, <laughs> from from the fairway and and you know all the you know where it truly is going out and coming back in. It, it, we so we just we had a ball um, and was that torture so, to, to walk to walk the course and not hit shots though or maybe it's great because you didn't hit a single bad shot I don't know. Um, well, Todd played in his mind. I think he said he shot five under. <laughs> the, the winds were pretty <laughs> benign. <laughs> um, but I, yes, it is. It is very difficult being over at the old course and not playing it. Truth be told, it is a hell of a lot less painful than not being on a golf course playing on a major championship Sunday. So there's yeah. uh, a little bit of that. It's 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 just it's difficult to compare. Um, they're incomparable. But the way I see it, you know, it's like one of those things where it's like, fuck, whether it's at Carnoustie or whether it's at St. Andrews, I will be back. Um, and yeah, it, it was it's it's this this cut, this cut that I missed. It cut deep. It yeah, cut you, you, very, you said something deep. about that on 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 social media. I mean, they all hurt. But why this one so much? Well, um, I, I, I believe my, uh, inner Jack Nicholas showed up in that I chose to have a very short memory when it came to the last time the women's open was at Carnoustie. And cause I mean, I, I, I don't, I can't be sure that I broke 80 the last time I was here. Um, but I was, you know, I've been working so hard on my game. It's, you know, I've been working so hard on playing Lynx golf. Uh, Todd and I went in with an awesome um, uh, game plan going in. You know, a lot of the, the winds were opposite of, uh, we had almost a, sep- a different win each of the first three days of practice. And so we were, you know, plodding our way along the golf course. And I mean, truth be told Thursday, like, you know, if I were to say that I was swinging like an octopus falling out of a tree, then my swing would have looked like Tiger Woods circa 1999. It was, I mean, I had no concept, no feel of anything whatsoever. I was just all over the place. Um, I joked with Todd that I was going to be in three bunkers all week. And, I was in three bunkers in like the first, I don't know, for first few, I was in a lot of, I was, I was dealing with a lot of sand and, um, on the third hole I did. Let me stop you right there because I mean, you've been feeling good about your preparation and then the first round comes. Is that, is that purely mental and emotional or was it something in your game? Because that, that's always some, fascinates me when, you know, got, got someone shoots 61 on, on Tuesday in a money game. And then, and then the bell goes off on, on Thursday and, and they shoot 79. Like what, um, what was, what was happening on, on, on that round with you, mind, body, and soul? Um, I, I, I had no sense of feel. I, uh, I was getting pushed around a little bit. The winds were, were benign for, for the region, but there was there were a couple of couple of holes with some good firm gusts, um, you know. And and truth be told, on the third hole, you know, I, I I hit into that 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 burn short of the green that you can legitimately step over. I it was a front hole location, and um, you know my ball it was cold. It was it was a bit of a breeze. I, I hit a good shot, and the ball spun back into the burn, and that fucking burned. And I got up and down for bogey though. Like I made, you know, almost a 20 footer for bogey and, and was like, all right, well, you know, I mean, 
it was very it could have been very easy for me to just completely derail at that point and shoot 43 on the front nine and just you know lose my mind but i was like you know we just we just got to continue going on with our game plan of me having no fucking clue like it, a lot of it was um you know a lot of it is just it being a major a lot of it being that you know the number of times that i've played carnoustie this is this is my favorite golf course in the entire open rota it really is because you have you cannot let your mind wander wander for an instant and i i was you know almost too focused and after the round you know i was talking with todd and he was like yeah you had this like uh you had this look in your on your face that there was tension there. And, and I had noticed it at the Scottish last week that I was, you know, I, I'd, I'd be like, oh my gosh, like I can actually feel my heartbeat, you know, like pounding. And so we, you know, focus a lot on breathing exercises and everything. And so I was like, you know, really trying to, trying to calm my emotions and just sort of be okay with how things go. It's Lynx golf. Like not every shot's going to be perfect. And, and, and Todd was like, yeah, you had, you had, you could see it in your eyes. Like you, you were yeah and hmm. so for the second round you know I, I i just really really focused on my tempo to the point of it being you know almost like an i miyazato swing of just painfully slow on the way back <laughs> which probably equated it being just good rhythm and <laughs> i hit it so fucking well but i could not stroke a cat i couldn't make anything and i played so smart like we we went about you know with a lot of these holes that you know have that little bottleneck where you know a, a lot of courses that you come across you're going to be able to bail on one side or the other but you've got bunkers on the right you got bunkers on the left you got bunkers on the right and left farther up and so i was like okay we're just going to hit you know a little hybrid we're we're just going to lay up give ourselves a number because, you know, this is one of the greens where, you know, based on the topography, like you can run something up, you can chase something up and it's going to be okay. And it was like every single hole, you know, you're like just outside of that super makeable range. And, mm -hmm. you know, a couple of times that you would be within that range on number nine, I hit into, I literally hit into the divot that I, that I, um, um, made on Wednesday, the practice round, the actual <laughs> divot. Which was, I'm just like, well, yeah, you can't, like, you can't. It was the only divot in like a 15 yard radius, and it was like we had the same exact number to the front, and I was like, yep, yeah, that's 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 me. Um, still, you know, I mean, made par, <laughs> so it's you know, it's not, it's it's just one of those things where just like, no matter what you did, nothing would go for you, and and um, you know, on. But, um, well, hold on. So let, let's just set the scene a little more for for the listeners who maybe weren't super focused on on your scores. So you shoot. You know, you, you had a nice rally on the back nine of the first mm -hmm. round. Made made three birdies, a couple a couple bogeys coming in. But so you wind up shooting seventy five. Um, yeah, including a birdie on eighteen, which was from like fifty five feet or something like that. Like it was. Yeah. It was it was a, a great way to cap off the final the the final hole of of that round. Um, yeah. There, there yeah. So I, I come in at three over. Sure. Mm -hmm. So you're coming at three over, which you know is going to be around the cut. And then, um, so then you go out in round two and 11 straight oh, pars to open literally it. Literally every, birdie, str every fairway, every green. Yeah. You birdie 12. Pretty much 12, every fairway, the, every green. 
you birdie 12 to par five. So now you're one under for the day, three more pars. So, so now you're, you're plus two overall, which is definitely going to make the cut, but you've got the last three holes to play. No, which it's not. Are, it's not. Well, it, no, it seemed likely. I, and I'd been peeking. Mm, no, I'd been peeking at the numbers because I did tee off like basically on Saturday morning. I was one of the last groups out. And so I was looking at scores and looking who was already in, looking at who was where and all of this and that, looking at the weather conditions and kind of figuring those things out. Like I was thinking that there was a, there was a chance it could go back to even even, uh, let alone. Okay. So, uh, no, so plus you're... two was never in my mind. Okay, plus you're down in your mind. So you're feeling like you have to get those last three holes. You got to make one more birdie that um, you know would have gotten you to plus one, which ultimately would have made the cut right on the number. So um, of course you don't know that as you're playing it, but you got an inkling. So just take oh, me through know. the last few Trust holes. Me. You know, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know. You're watching the scoreboard. <laughs> so I mean, some I've had players say there's almost feels like almost more pressure sometimes on Friday afternoon when you're trying to make the cut than. When you're in contention on Sunday, because if you're in contention on Sunday, by definition, you're playing well and you feel in control of your game for the most part. But when you're fighting the cut line on Friday, it's it's nerve wracking because, you know, you've been scuffling a little bit and you want so much to, to you know, still be part of the show, obviously make a check, maybe find some magic and do something great. So um, so those Friday afternoon emotions when, when you're grinding to make the cut, like what does that feel like? Well, so like you said, I birdied 12, um, hit a really good shot on 13, but had this like crazy, crazy putt that had about, I had a putt, um, you know, it was, it was sort of like a figure eight of a green on number 13, that par three. I hit it short of where it bottles in with that huge lump and that the, the whole location was over tucked on the right side, just beyond it. So had a putt from on the green to off the green down the slope and made like a, probably a, a good five, six footer for par on 14, hit a good drive. And Todd and I were like, listen, like, you know, and it was one of those things where, you know, if you take a slightly more aggressive line, you can cut off 30 yards um, just by way of, of how the, the, the terrain kind of, kind of rolls and all of that stuff. And, and I, but I, I hit a good drive down the right side and, yeah, there was a chance I could have gone, you know, and, and hit my second shot over the spectacles and have it trundle down to onto the green. But I was like, Todd, let's just be smart about it. Like, you know, we got to make birdie here. And, you know, we've got a, a, I mean, realistically, we have five chances coming in. So, you know, we'll, we'll play it smart, played it smart, laid up with an eight iron. And then from like 200, 200 yards from the flag, I was setting my eyes up where the ball was between the flag and my body. So I knew exactly which tussock of that European beach grass I was going to have to hit over the left <laughs> bunker of the two that are called the spectacles and hit a shot to about eight feet. And when I missed that putt, it fucking, it stung. And I, I let out a scream cause I'd been <laughs> so fucking patient all day long, hitting really good shots, putting great strokes on the ball, nothing, nothing coming in. Um, and on 15, par four, hit a really good drive, hit a really good hybrid up there, um, and lipped out from like 35 feet. And like, it was one of those ones where it's like, I hit the putt and I saw it turning, I saw it turning, it was going in, it was going in, and I started running backwards 
and it <laughs> it just hit the lip and 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 didn't go in and I like did like a little spin around um and I was like, you know, I'm not going to lie. I told my, my playing partners, like, it would have been fucking amazing if there was a bunker right there that I didn't notice. And I just fell right in. <laughs> and so that was really deflating. And on 16, I hit, uh, it's a, 16's a bear of a hole, you know, and it's, it's long. I mean, it's two, was it like 219 or something like that to the middle or something. And, you know, it's, it's, you're into the wind. That's oh, a nice short par four. It's a drivable par four, um, and I, I hit into yeah. a front, uh, the front right bunker. We're kidding. Like, it's a it's long right. par three. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a long par three. And um, but that's the only tee box. That, so that there's nowhere else for us to go. So it's all good. And you know, I hit into the front right bunker. I was like, all right, we'll just get this up and down, whatever. Hit it, and then just miss my putt. And and honestly, like I was deflated. I was at that point. I was like, all right. So I'm at plus three, and. I mean, realistically, the chances are gone at that point. Um, yes, I can make birdie on 17, and yes, I can make birdie on 18, and Lord knows I'm going to fucking try. But, like, that putt that I missed on 14 just crushed my soul. And I was like, all right, like, obviously, I'm never going to give up, but it's just so hard where you just, like, sit back and you're just like, you know, any number of shots – any number of shots, like even early in the round on Thursday where it was just like, fuck, like if I had done this, you know, like it would have set the pace completely different for me. Like they were just like, and that's the thing. There were like a handful of momentum killers uh, throughout the 36 holes. So it was, it was, it was really tough to deal with, but I was like, all right, let's just keep doing what we're doing. And, you know, uh, hit a five iron off the tee on 17, had a hybrid coming in, pulled it a little bit, but got up and down for par. And I was like, all right, like, if we're making the cut, we're going to have to hold out our second shot. So first of all, hit a good drive on 18, hit a good drive. And it's fucking cold. Like the, the last two holes were like, where is the sun? Like legitimately where in the horizon is the sun? Cause it was getting dark and, um, pulled my second shot a little bit into that front, front left bunker. And I was like, well that, I mean, it's, it's simple math. That's it. Like there was like nine girls behind me. Lord knows where the hell they are on the scoreboard, but it's not enough. It's not enough. Even if I were to hole out and then, um, you know, just missed a, I don't know. I don't even, I honestly don't even remember what the length of the putt on the last hole other than the fact that it stayed above ground. Um, so it was, it was soul crushing. Cause we, we, <laughs> I played so fucking well on Friday and it was one of those things where it was like, you know, I was talking to Todd today on her drive back from St. Andrews. I'm like, there's no fucking way that, Thursday's round and Friday's round had a two-stroke difference. It was like an eight-stroke difference by way of how I played <laughs> the golf course. The ball just never yeah. chose to go underground. And so it that one, that that one hurt. That one hurt in a completely mm. different way from how the US Open hurt. Because I'm in a much better place mentally. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, well, you know, we're going through swing changes and, you know, we're working on um, playing different styles of golf. I miss my fucking four iron. I should have brought my four iron um, and not not had my hybrid in the bag. Like I honestly don't know what I was even thinking. Fact of the matter is I wasn't. The number of times I would have hit four iron out here um, on this entire trip here in Europe. And it was Why, just, um, it, was, it was tough. You couldn't, you couldn't get a hold of another four iron? I didn't. I mean, I, I realistically, I, I, I'm sure I could have. But it was one of those things where it was like later, it was late enough on the trip that I was like, you dummy. 
Like I and I just I you know it, it, it. Truth be told, I think it would be. It's definitely feasible, but I don't think it would have been easy for PXG to have one sent over. Um, I'm sure they could have. Yeah. Um, so again, it's all at the end of the day, it's all on me. But it was one of those things where I was like, "Fuck." I didn't necessarily need it in Evian. Um, I didn't really need it in Ireland. Possibly a couple of times I could have used it at the Scottish, but not really. It was more one of those like Tuesday after, excuse me, Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday mornings where I was like, uh, huh. I mean, a lot of players travel with 15, 16, 17 clubs and then they- Oh yeah, your girl does that a lot too. Your girl does that a lot. A lot, you know. It's just and, one of those I things. Just, I didn't. I mean, I've, yeah, I've done that. Where I've left behind things, and I even thought about it. Oh, should I bring my podcast mic? Nah. And then something comes up. You're like, why did I not just bring it? Like, uh, but this is a little, this is a little more significant loss. So that that's frustrating. But um, it is what it is. That's a good attitude. I mean, uh, yeah, oh, I was fuck, watching your scores. There's nothing I can do about it now. <laughs> So, well, so no, what no, no. for me to sit there but... and like bitch, you know? <laughs> like it's like, all right, well, fuck. Like, can't go back and when... not hit it in the water on three on Thursday. Can't go back and miss that putt on fourteen on Friday. Can't go back and not hit it in the bunker on seven. Like these are things that have taken place. So it's like there's no there's no point in dwelling on things. Yeah. Well, I salute you. Let um, well, let's talk a little bit more. I mean, it sounds like you were out and about and you may not even had a chance to watch the, um, nope. the finish so much, but so th- finish, this, girl, this, I didn't this even see the, the start. <laughs> this is the scenario. Do you know, um, Nana cursed Madsen from Denmark? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So she's tied with Nordquist coming up the 72nd mm-hmm. hole. Mm-hmm. Gets a, a a really lucky kind of bounce on her, on her drive. She's in good shape. And then, kind of a nervy swing into the bunker and then just flat out hosels it. And the, the spasms of terror that went through golf Twitter, like it was a, my entire timeline was, Oh my God. Oh no, not a shank. Ah, hosel. Like it was just, you know, there's a lot of ways to make double bogey on the last hole to lose a major championship. But the, the El Hazel is, is probably nightmare fuel. And, um, I'm just wondering, like, have have you? Do you have any experience with with a shank under pressure, and what what does that feel like? Well, I remember in God, what year was it? It was like 2013 or 2014, I think. I was playing the Shoprite Classic. Um, was in the final group with Jennifer Johnson and Stacy Lewis, and we were on hole. 15 which is a par three on 14 i nearly shanked my approach just shy of a shank my caddy at the time tj jones was a little bit like oh my god like because it was like a front right hole location and i shanked it right like just shy of a shank just shy of a shank um short of the green i was like dude don't worry i'll get it up and down he's like it's like three paces from the right edge i'm like yeah i'll just hit to like 10 feet and get that up and down did and then the next hole on 15 I literally, I legitimately shanked a four iron on the, off the tee with a par, th- uh, on the par three, almost into the Atlantic ocean and onto the beach. And TJ was like, do we, what is, 
And I'm like, I've been coming <laughs> to this golf tournament since 2003. I don't know what's over there. I know eventually there's the ocean. But let's, I'm like, just if I can find the ball, we'll make four. And he's like, what? what? We find the ball. There's a little, there's a little gap. I'm like, you know, we're like 60 yards away or something like that. I'm like, I'm going to hit my 52 under this tree and over this tree. And it's going to trundle on up there and almost made a three. So, I mean, it's one of those, it's, it's obviously not a major championship. Um, and it's not the last hole of a golf tournament. You know, we were four holes, <laughs> no. three holes from finishing, but you know, it's just one of those things where it's just like, well, that's what I did. Like, yeah, and a bunker shot slightly to get over stuff. Yeah, a bunker shot. It, you might get an asterisk. It's not like like shanking it off the turf. It just feels different because you're you know you're kind of making a big funky outside in swing perhaps, and there's other things going on. But I mean, that's one of the subtext nah, from Johnny Miller. Shank shot. is a shank is a shank is a shank. Okay, I was trying to be nice. You're probably right, but it's just a when, reality. When Johnny Mil- it's not about or being mean. I know it's just like in basketball and you get your shot blocked. It's just like counts as a missed shot, like any other missed shot, but it just, it feels more personal, just like a shank does. But when Johnny Miller shot 63 at Oakmont, he, um, he had the swing thought the whole round don't shank because earlier in the year he, at the Crosby Clambake, he was like in a dog fight with, I think it was Jack Nicholas and Miller hit a shank that cost him the tournament. And he was like, even months later was still haunted by it. And, uh, of course he, he he wound up hitting every shot, you know, pure, but it was still on his mind and in his brain. And, uh, so yeah, it's, um, it's just funny how that one shot, I mean, I don't know, to me, a snap hook into a hazard is just as, is just as painful and, and creates the same amount of scar tissue, but just, it's just the word. I don't even know what it is, why the shank is so dreaded, but this, the sound, yeah, maybe that society. little society. It's like a little tinny sound is so bad. I don't know. There's well, there's just something about it. But anyway. I will say in a rare Johnny Miller defense <laughs> that back in the Mesozoic era when he shot that 63, the sweet spot was actually heel side of center. So sure. it was a lot easier to shank shots back in those days, aside from the fact that they're, you know, butter knives back then that the guys were playing with but the sweet spot was on the inside of center so you were a lot closer to shanking it every single shot than you are nowadays with all the shovels that are out and available by way of equipment now um but yeah it's just it's one of those things where i mean nana is so so good and she's got so much She's got so much talent. I I think that, you know, she's done an amazing job at reining in her emotions because she has had the occasional uh, discussion. Meltdown? (laughs) No, discussion being had at her as a result of a meltdown. Um, Yeah, yeah. By players or tournament officials? Yes. Um, So she has (laughs) definitely uh, matured a lot and, and... you know, we've all, you know, at this level, we've all had tournaments that were lost. You know, I remember before my first win back in, you know, 2004, 72nd hole, I hit this shot to three feet. Chrissy Kerr misses a green, chips it to like five feet. And my dad and I had a miscommunication about the putt. And that this was back in the day. And I still cringe at the thought of it. But it was what it was. He lined me up for my putt. He lined me up to the wrong side of the hole. Then what we were talking, like, you know, whatever. And then I, I missed the putt. And yeah. Then she got up and down. And I was just like, all right, like, 
you're supposed to win that week, you would have won that week. And if you don't win, that's okay. Like, you know, you, you have to sort of take things and put them into perspective sometimes. It's very easy to have a macro lens when you're, um, you know, in this strange world that we're in. And, and Todd, I was actually kind of talking about how he thinks that, being on tour and being a tour player is almost similar to like being a, a, a golf's version of a deadhead in that it's like, you know, you're always like, Hey, like you're going to like number of people are like, Hey Todd, are you going to be in Portland? And it's like, Oh, this is my, you know, how many weeks on the road have you been on? Where it's like, you know, when you got those people that follow the Grateful Dead on, on, on their musical <laughs> tours and things like that. Like, you um, know, I, I, I was like, I never thought of that, but yes, that, that there's a, there are a lot of similarities in that sense. That's funny. Um, so I have to ask you about this. You know, for Nordquist, this is a huge win. It probably gets her in the Hall of Fame. I mean, only two European women have ever won more majors than her three. That's Annika and Dame Laura Davies. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to you about next, but um, and it's it was she's a great champion and all that. I happened to notice for the first time today her golf Saudi patch on her sleeve. I was like, oh man. Mm. It's kind of like our Annika discussion about getting the Medal of Freedom right after the Capitol got stormed. Like, it's really hard for me to get excited about a player who's taken the blood money from Saudi Arabia and uh, whether they're male or female, but it seems especially um, inappropriate for for a woman athlete. I'm not talking about a golfer. It could be a tennis player. It could be whomever. But given what we know, how oppressive that society is towards women in general. And so... What what is your take on uh, and she's not the only one right there, there's a couple other uh, European players who are supporting golf Saudi so does that affect your feelings at all for for Anna Nordquist and and this this triumph? Well, um, I do know that the ladies European tour have a number of tournaments. I don't know what the exact number is uh, that are part of the Aramco series which is funded by Saudi Arabia. And, you know, they, they, during that off week um, between the, the Irish and the Scottish, you know, they, they hosted a tournament um, in Spain that a number of girls, um, you know, a, couple, a handful of LPGA Tour players went and played in that. And I had chosen to take that week off because I personally don't want to deal with the Saudi Arabian people, not people, but the, the, you know, where the money is coming from. And I know that, you know, there, there have been, you know, there, there have been talks about, you know, tournaments coming from places that, you know, aren't necessarily aligned with morals that I have. Um, and I do know that there is at least a topical push to promote sport and especially women's sport. And so based on the, based on history, I don't support that. I'm not here. I'm not going to judge other people for choices that they make. Um, too badly and at the same time I'm a huge fan of redemption stories so if Bryson ever grows the fuck up I will be a huge supporter because growing up takes a lot of work and a lot of strength 
and I'm all about redemption stories. And at the same time, how can we expect there to be change in a place like Saudi Arabia if we don't give them a chance at the same time? I just don't have to be one of them doing that. I can go and celebrate them afterwards and be like, you know, well done, about fucking time, but well done. But that doesn't mean that I have to personally be a part of that. And, um, you know, at at the same time, the way that I saw is if I did go, because there was going to be a a tournament during, you know, like an off week or something where if I did get, you know, an invite, there was also a part of me that was thinking, well, let's say I do go and I play really well, then I can host a press conference and I can talk about how women's rights, um, you know, need to be um, like wholeheartedly changed, altered, embraced and become part of the norm. Like, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you kind of have to also be willing to meet people where they are. And so if that's a route that someone is taking, then I can commend them for that. I'm not I don't know what the situation is in that sense. And I, I do know a couple of the girls that, that do work with, um, you know, Golf Saudi that have said that, like, you know, we've been, uh, we've gone over there and hosted clinics where they do have girls that are, you know, getting involved in the game and they're doing this and they are doing that and they're trying, they are trying to legitimately push um, for women's sports. And I'm like, well, how many of those girls be white living in Saudi and Arabia like that you're talking about, you know, but again, so again, I don't have enough info on that to really have much of an opinion. Um, but again, like someone, everybody, everybody needs some form of assistance in order to make changes for there to be success and things like that. So I don't know. Well, but. It's you make a, you make a good, you make a good case that to me, the the things that that um you know that government has done is just beyond the pale and it's it's hard for me to uh imagine a scenario where i would i would do anything um same take their money or to help to help promote what they're what they're selling i mean the the fire pit collective you know we do uh we've been working with some boards of tourism they want us to come over and do content and you know matt and a couple other guys were just over in in Ireland and uh, you know, that's part of our business model. And so that's great. And it's who doesn't love Ireland, but Saudi Arabia came to us and wanted us to go over there and do stuff. And we're like, no, thank you. Like, you know, at some point you have to make a personal decision about what, what your own code is. And right. um, maybe Anna has been like very outspoken on these, on these topics, but I've, I haven't heard it. I, I mean, don't think you missed it. Uh, so I don't know. I don't think I missed it either. It's just, it just doesn't, it, to me, it's, it's kind of like, it's a little bit of a drag. Yeah. You, you, it takes away a little of the fun of celebrating the achievement. Like if those are, if that, that's her value. Well, she system, might be building but. a foundation, you know, to, to <laughs> be able to embed her. You know, she might be a double agent for all we know. Shit. Like who, you know, you never know. These things take time sometimes. She's kind of got that look. I, don't know. I mean, I could definitely see her. I could see her as the bad she guy. She cannot be some, a red sparrow. She's too so, damn tall. She is so easily recognizable. <laughs> she's yeah. not going to be, she's no um, Jennifer Lawrence in red sparrow. I'm sorry. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence. That's a good swing thought. So we're talking about Dame Laura Davies who made the cut at age Mm -hmm. 57 and Mm -hmm. is one of my all-time favorite golfers and people. She's just such a kick in the pants. Um, I mean, still tees up her driver with a little clump of turf and, 
she's on her tippy toes at impact and it's like she's been doing this now for 30 something years and I don't know. I just thought we should tip our cap to her because what a performance um, j- just to make the cut at, at Carnoustie. And she's still out there making birdies and, and having fun. And she's not quite Joanne Carner, who has become like, you know, a cult hero um, into her 80s, smoking cigarettes and, and out there grinding. But uh, what's your best Laura Davies story? So one, yes, I agree. And the fact that Laura Davies first played in her first women's open the year after I was born is mind boggling to me. Um, my favorite Laura Davies, which we have, a, I mean, I have a handful. Um, she and I both kind of got to the same point uh, a handful of years ago where we're like, dude, why are we hugging? Like, I don't like everyone out here. I'm not going to like, I'm like, I'm not going to rub my bodily fluids, AKA sweat on someone else and get theirs. Like, no, if I hug you, it's because I know you and I like you. And so Laura and I started like saluting each other. So that's how we greet one another. (laughs) Um, But one of my favorite stories was one of the very first weeks that she started working with Johnny Scott. We were in Springfield, Illinois for the state farm classic over at Panther creek or panther lake in springfield the the corn fairy plays out of there now um and like you were saying she back then as well was teeing up her ball she would grab her it's it's the same routine she walks up to the tee goes her bag grabs her wedge hacks into the ground to create a tee you know stomps her feet a couple of times to get to get it just right and then turns to her caddy and tosses it. Like, it's like this, like, it's this amazing, it's, I mean, it's a routine of hers. Like, it's just part of her pre-shot routine. And, and I <laughs> Wouldn't it be less work Johnny. to use a tee like everybody else? I mean, it seems like it would just be easier to tee it up. I don't, what do I know? Two things. One, she has been using a tee more often. Not every single time, but more often. And two, she only feels, whenever she hits a drive off of a tee it's when she knows she can blast it as far right as she wants to because that's the way that she feels like every time she sets up to the ball she feels like it's she's going to miss it a million miles to the right so those are the that's 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 what what happens um so anyway going back you know where god was it maybe the 13th hole or something and and johnny and i like we'd known each other for years at that point and so we were having a chat and he and i were you know kind of into this talk and laura goes through her routine like you know hacks at the ground kicks it up with her feet and then she turns around and is like about to throw the putt the the wedge at johnny and she sees that he's not looking at her and she was just like hmm, okay and then she helicopter chucks it clear across the other side of the tee box till it clangs around on the uh, the wrought iron fence of one of the houses that was lining the house and she goes she hits her tee shot and then just she just walks off and johnny's like yeah that's never gonna happen again and it was just, it was just one of my favorite, like just, it's just the way that it happened. I couldn't stop laughing. Laura found it hysterical. Um, I think I remember her saying in an interview that, and you know, she and Johnny worked together for a good amount of time. She was like, yeah, Johnny couldn't club a seal today, which is horrible, but so funny at the same time. Um, she, she is incredibly naturally she's just funny. classic. Yeah. And, yeah. and one thing I love about um, the dame is, you know, whether we're in Singapore, whether we're in the UK or whatever, she just and obviously this is in the before times. Um, she loves going, you know, just going to a pub and having a few drinks, having her dinner. And she has this like a, at least up to a, up until a couple of years ago. I don't know what's going on now. She would have this like 
basically like an oversized checkbook with this tiny black strap. And that was, that was her, that was her purse. Like for years she had that and <laughs> people would come up to her and just start not chatting her up is just start having a chat. And she just sit there and she just talk with anybody. Like she has the least amount of pretense of, of anyone that I know, especially for what she's achieved. Like, she could be the biggest yeah. dick in the world if she wanted to. And we'd be like, well, she's one, she's a dame. And two, she's a Hall of Famer. And three, it's bullshit that she's not in the LPGA Hall of Fame. So, yeah, I get it. And she, no, she's just, she has time for anybody and everybody. I mean, does anyone out there use the term dame in like... Oh, all the time. When you bump into at a tournament? Oh, yeah. All the time. It's, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> we, you, you is, it sar- is it sardonic? Is it sardonic? Or you actually like Semi. mean it? Or both? <laughs> Semi. Yeah, I believe that. That's funny. Uh, oh yeah, I love Laura Davies. So, um, what now? Have you decided when you're coming back to the U.S. of A. and um, how do you get over the disappointment of Carnegie's team? Well, it's already happened. Like, you just have to move okay, on. Okay, good. <laughs> like, there's, good, good. You, you, these are things you can't dwell on. And on top of that, you know, I mean, I didn't pull a Vandeveld. You know, like I. I small victories you got to find them wherever you can no i i'm coming back home i have a flight out on tuesday and i've got three weeks off because i didn't even wasn't even a consideration for the solheim cup um so i'm going to spend you know probably three four days maybe just hibernating um getting reacquainted with the american time zones uh the it's been hard eating keto when you're not allowed to do anything and can't go anywhere do all of that so gonna hop back on keto um i'll start working out hardcore again because again like access was very limited these this last how long has it been five weeks um so this is all very exciting stuff for me and then we've got a three or four week stretch coming up after that so i'm I'm pumped. I'm ready. I'm raring to go. Like things are good. What does your hibernation look like? Bed, water, macadamia and pilly nuts. That's about it. Like it's a literal (laughs) hibernation. (laughs) Do you, do you like, you know, watch things on TV or an iPad or are you just like sleeping and rejuvenating? A little bit of both. I will sleep and rejuvenate. I am records nothing on television except for the news years old. Um, and I will go back and, you know, watch, uh, you know, a couple weeks worth of my favorite late night uh, variety shows when I um, wake up. Because your girl ain't going to stay up till 11, 12, 1230 at night just to watch people live and then have to wait for commercials. Um, so, you know, it'll be... I don't know, probably some binging with Babish, might be some sorted food, um, you know, catching up on some podcasts that I haven't really been, you know, listening to the last couple of months. And, you know, just kind of having no real set schedule is really what it comes down to. That sounds like a delight. That's aspirational. I, <laughs> um, I can't relate, it's also but very, very I, necessary. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Uh, all right. Well, I hope you have a smooth journey home, which would be the opposite of your arrival onto the continent and, um, or at least to the British Isles. Uh, no, you were going, you started oh, in France, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Evian sucked. Yeah. The travel yeah. to it was, was Got, very, yeah. That, that we seems got like there months safely. ago. 
Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, all that really mattered was that everything arrived. So, you know, yeah, as long no, as the same sure. thing Deacon. happens where everything arrives, it's all good. And I've got three weeks to get all my shit. So I'm not, you know, I'm not too worried. If, if my luggage decides it's not ready to come home, it don't have to. There's no big rush. <laughs> well, um, I wish you a pleasant hibernation. And we will, uh, when, when you resurface, we'll tape another pod. But there's, there's no rush on that. So... Um, thanks for letting us tag along on this grand European adventure. Uh, it's been fun. I'm going to miss all the talk about Lynx courses and quirky Scots and colorful Irishmen and uh, <gasps> the whole thing. It was fun. I had my first Scotch egg actually this, this week. Is, I, I mean, I've never seen anyone so excited about that. <laughs> I can tick it off my bucket list. Because chances Why are, I am never going to eat a fried Mars bar. So was very excited to have a Scotch egg. I've already had and consumed haggis years and years ago. So this was something that I've always wanted to, you know, try out. And so I was able to to try a Scotch egg while I was here this trip. So I'm very excited about that. I'm happy for you. Small victories. That's what I keep telling you. Small victories, indeed. That's yeah. All right, let's release our listeners. Um, but it's always fun, and um, thanks for making it work. I mean, we had we had Wi-Fi issues, we had all kinds of things, but the 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 dedication of the pod is is uh, uh, appreciated and and deserve deserves my respect, and hopefully that of the listeners who've been along this journey with us. So, uh, anyway, CK, uh, you have something you want to say before we go? I do. Uh, I just want to say thank you to everyone for listening to yet another episode. Uh, Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. Give us a review. We could go with five stars if you want to. It apparently helps with the metrics. And on behalf of everyone at the Fire Pit Collective, I just want to say thank you for listening to yet another episode of Full Send with Christina Kim. And Alan Shipnuck. That's a wrap. Bye.